Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church, and we're live tonight, live for the next hour with your host, Bayer expert and professor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, if you've been listening to the broadcast, you know we're in, into a series. Uh, we're talking about a war that's raging all around us. And it's not a war of guns and missiles. However, in the end, it may prove to be just as deadly. It's not a war over land and territories, but it is a war to capture and influence the hearts and minds of our society. It is a cultural war, and it's raging all around us. The headlines on YouTube, social media, it's all erupting everywhere. And tonight, we're bringing you part 8E in our series, talking about the 10 cultural and current issues that affect us as individuals, that affect our families, our churches, our communities, and our world at large, these cultural and current issues not only affect us, but can lead us in the wrong direction, away from God and away from our fellow man. The real issue is how do we respond to these 10 cultural and current issues from a biblical and apologetic perspective? Well, to the answer to these questions and much, much more, Stay tuned, for we're not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, wonderful, challenging introduction. I want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. And we have been truly blessed by this series, and I know that you have as well. And we want to encourage you to get your pens and papers and your Bibles and get to a table and take some good notes. You know, our text has been Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, where the Apostle Paul talks about is high time to awake. The night is for spent and the day is at hand. Oh, the day is at hand for us to awake, uh, you know, in the midst of a woke culture. We're all around us today. We need to wake up uh, before the night comes and it will be too late because Jesus said, I'll come as a thief in the night and you want to be ready. You know, we as Contending for the Faith staff, we are committed to uh, Jude 3, uh, Contending for the Faith or Contend for the Faith. And that's how we got our name, Contending for the Faith from Jude 3. And the Phillips translation says, 
fight for the faith. We are fighting for truth because Jesus said the truth will make people free. Now, in the face of this current cultural war that we're up against, uh, we need to come out of the closet. So many uh, Christians are uh, in the closet. Uh, they fear uh, the world around them. And Jesus said that fear not man, but fear God. You know, so we need to not be fearing, not even on Halloween, not to fear the world, but to fear God with a healthy fear. Now, we need to come out of the closet. Uh, this is the thing that we're seeing a lot of parents doing now. In the midst of all of this cultural war stuff that's going on in the schools, they're coming out of the closet and having a voice against evil. And we need to do that as a church. Join in with the parents. You know, it's good to see the parents doing it. But the parents need the backup of the church, my friend. You know, uh, it, we need to work together in fighting the enemy, you know, and we need to come out of the closet. You know, when we think about the world around us today, the transgender people, homosexuals, people into pornography and drugs and alcohol abuse and all of this stuff, they're out of the closet, open, blatant with sin. And where is the church? We're still in the closet, being undercover agents. Seek, we're being secret agents, not, you know, and we need to be people who are exposing our, uh, blowing our cover, opening up the door so we can come out and uh, be change agents. That's what God is calling us to do, not to be secret agents, you know, and we need to be the light of the world. We need to be the salt in preserving a decaying world in sin. So uh, I want to continue to talk about this confusion of the cult transgenderism. And I've been talking about five things every Christian must know about the transgender debate today. And I come uh, tonight to the fifth and final point dealing with the transgender issues. And along with this, these, this point, the fifth point, I want to introduce to you three C's three C's, and you might want to write these down. Three C's that every Christian must be committed to. Number one, the first C is Christ. We need to be committed to Christ and faithful to the things that he commands us to do in dealing with this uh, wicked world around us today. The second thing is when we're committed to Christ, number one, Christ will give us Number two, the second C, a conviction, a conviction to get out there and through the power of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, you can't convict the world, but if you have the Holy Spirit in you, Jesus said he'll work in you to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the third C is when we have Christ, number one, and we have conviction, second C, number two. Then the third C, we'll have compassion, compassion. You know, the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion upon the multitudes. Where's your compassion? You know, a lot of us are more into 
uh, uh, another C, which is criticism. That's all we do is criticize, complain. That's another C. <laughs> we just complain and we're into criticism. And that's the thing that kept the children of Israel from the promised land. They just kept criticizing and complaining. And God just stopped them from getting into you know, the promised land. And most, mostly all of them died in the wilderness, except for, you know, Joshua and Caleb and the younger generation. And so we need to make a difference for time and eternity. Demonstrating these three C's, Christ, conviction, and compassion, and dealing with the transgender world around us. And Jesus has set the standard in dealing with not only transgenders, people, but every sinner, because Christ showed his own conviction and compassion with every person that he ministered to. And we as Christians need to always remember that Christ died for transgender people too. When he died on that cross, he died for them too. Don't leave them out. You know, you got to have a love for them to reach them for Christ's sake. Now, many Christians, rather than Having these three C's, Christ, conviction, and compassion, they get into complaining. This is the negative C's, complaining and criticizing, you know, and they get more into gossip than the gospel. And, you know, Jesus, it says in Matthew 15 and 32, he, Jesus called disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitudes. Do you have compassion on the multitudes, my friend? Or are you just complaining? You're just griping. You know, you're just criticizing. I hear and run across so many Christians that's doing that. And some of them are in Bible college and seminary, spend most of their time criticizing and complaining. And they wonder why God never uses them to reach somebody to come to know Christ. You know, in the midst of the controversy, here's a C, controversy related to the transgender debate, we have these three biblical C's, Christ, conviction, and compassion, to overtake the toehold, foothold, and stronghold upon those who are trapped by Satan. And I believe if we live by these three C's every day of our lives, we'll see people made free from the toehold, foothold, and stronghold of the enemy. And they need to be delivered from the evil demons of the transgenderism. Because we as Christians holding the biblical conviction in this debate means that individuals will find themselves with friends, families, and co-workers, and that however we express ourselves, we will be accused of being haters, bigots, and the worst. So let me say this in conclusion. Let me say this in conclusion. At the time like this, we as Christians need to be Christ-like. We need courage. Here's a healthy seed. We need courage. We need a bold conviction by the Holy Spirit, like the early church. The, the book In the book of Acts, it constantly says, they were moved with boldness, boldness. We need that boldness today. We need Christian compassion to defend a true vision of the human masculinity and the human femininity 
from God's perspective that is flourishing based upon the biblical understanding of being made in God's image and likeness. We must get into the controversy for truth's sake. Walter Martin, my mentor, said, controversy for controversy's sake is a sin, but controversy for truth's sake is a divine imperative. See, we must avoid vain anger, explanations. We must avoid that. Knee-jerk, irrational reactions. But we must continue to say that since God made us, he gets the ultimate say in who we are. I don't care what people say, what the world says. I don't care what the left says and politicians and liberal churches and religions say. The, the one that gets the ultimate say is Christ because he is the true God and he's the only true God. Somebody says, well, I'll never bow down to that. My friend, you being deceived by the enemy because in that great kenosis passage of Philippians chapter two, the apostle Paul says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Lord to the glory of God, the father, you better bow on this side because it'll be too late to bow on the other side, my friend. But listen to this critical point. All of the convictions in the world, all of the convictions in the world won't work no matter if we act or speak without Christian compassion. Did you understand that? Listen to that carefully. All of the convictions that you have in this world won't work no matter if you act on it or you speak. If you do all of that with the greatest conviction and have no compassion and Christ's likeness in your spirit, you're gonna be a turn off than a turn on. Jesus did not call us to, uh, to win debates. Did you hear that? He didn't call us to win debates. A lot of people just like to argue. Jesus taught us to love people for his name's sake. Because Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one towards another. So we as disciples and followers of Christ, as we grow in our convictions, in God's unchanging, perfect word, we must speak with compassion. We must speak with conviction. We must speak with boldness in our hearts. What is with the transgender, homosexuals, adulterers, idolaters, fornicators, no matter who it is, just plain sinners. You know, so I'm gonna say this in closing. I'm gonna bring to you a prayer of repentance, confession and repentance. I want you to repeat after me, my friend, if this message has convicted you, repeat after me. Dear Lord, I confess my sins. I confess my sins of criticism. I confess my sins of complaining all the time. Lord, I don't wanna have the gift of complaint. I wanna have the gift of love. I confess my sins right now, Lord. 
and I repent of my sins, and I turn to you as my Lord and Savior, as the King of my life. Rule me, Lord, as the leader, owner, ruler of my life. We ask these things in our Heavenly Father's name through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And uh, we just want to thank all of you once again for all your prayers and all your support over these many, many years. It is so vital that you continue to pray for Contending for the Faith. It's a prayer-driven ministry, and we know those prayers are working all the time. We feel them. We thank you for them. In addition to that, this is a listener-supported ministry. And we, uh, in addition to needing your prayers, we need your financial support, too, to remain on the air. Right now, we're looking at a $300 deficit for this week. And uh, we haven't been in this spot for a while, so we want to encourage you. We need your help. We need you to step up to the plate and swing a home run. Hit that ball out of the park for contending for the faith. This is a vital time. We want to make sure that we get right back in the black and we stay there. Otherwise, you may tune in on a Saturday night and once again discover that, hey, what happened to contending for the faith? That was my favorite program. It's no longer on the air. And uh, if you call up to the station, they'll tell you, well, Unfortunately, there was no one supporting the broadcast anymore. We don't want that to happen. We believe that the support is there and that uh, God's going to move on all of our hearts to keep this thing going. So it's it's vitally important. There's two ways that you can give. One is to address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553 Tiburon, California, that's spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Again, that's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button. It's that simple and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. So we want to encourage you tonight. Uh, We need you to, like I said, hit the ball out of the park for contending for the faith. And you will be blessed. These funds go directly back into our airtime to make this broadcast a reality every Saturday night. Dr. Buckner and I receive no pay from this broadcast whatsoever. And we've been doing this uh, because God has called us to it for almost 20 years now. So we want to encourage you that when you give, these are monies that you're sending ahead of you into heaven. You know, we believe that one day when you stand before God, he's going to tell you to turn around. You're going to see 
a vast multitude of people. And you're going to ask the Lord, who are these people? And the Lord's going to tell you that these are the people that made it into my kingdom as a result of your giving. So we want to encourage you tonight. We want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. All right, Dr. Buckner, are you ready for the calls tonight? Yes, Brother Gary, and I just want to add to that. Uh, appreciate that, those encouraging words, because we do appreciate people who have been faithful in their giving and their prayers as well. And we just want to challenge people to act on that tonight. Act on that right now by faith and be a blessing to this ministry and other ministries that are blessing you. Uh, a lot of times when we get we have it on our hearts to act on it, but what we end up doing is getting distracted, but we want to encourage you to act on that by faith right now and be a blessing for time and eternity. Yes, let's get to our first caller, Brother Gary. Okay, we have Brother Rick on line one. Hey, Brother Rick, how are you doing? I am blessed. How about yourself? Uh, we are truly blessed. How did the message minister to you tonight? Uh, mainly the message uh, brought to me is that we have to speak up. We have to speak up in a, we, we can speak up in a very gentle way. I mean, one, one, one of the gentle ways I, I learned to speak with transgenders is really focused on the fact that they are a created life. Mm -hmm. And they're precious in the, in the sight of God. Yes. So that, that is one way I keep focused on that and not, not debate them. But let them know that they are valued. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that value comes from the fact that Christ died for all of, all of us, all sinners. And he had he compassion died for all sinners. All. Yes. And, but for the grace of God, there are all of us. In his yeah, but for the grace of God, there go all of us. So we need to right. remember that as well. Yeah, so appreciate those and uh, feedback there. And what's on your heart tonight? Well, I've got a question. It's in the Old Testament, it prophesied that Jesus would be crucified and not a bone would be broken. But Paul, when he talks about the communion in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, take this bread, but this, this, this is my body that was broken as a ransom for many. How do we reconcile the term broken? That is a very good question because uh, that seems to uh, baffle a lot of people, especially when it talks about it prophesies not a bone in his body will be broken. And then yet in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24, uh, it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So, like you said, how do you reconcile the word broken when it says that not a bone in his body would be broken? Well, first and foremost, I want to say that uh, this is not the best manuscript translation on the word broken because it's just not. The reason why it's not, because uh, it's was not a bone in his body broken. And what you want to do also is compare um, this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, to uh, John 19, 
And let's go to John 19. Uh, over in John 19, and let me read um, verse 32 of John 19. And you got the two other men on the cross with Jesus. And it says in verse 32 of John 19, Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. Now, and then you go down to verse 36, and it says, For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. So, uh, again, uh, that's not the best translation uh, there. Um, uh, and I want to also add to this from a Old Testament standpoint, uh, from a historical Old Testament standpoint, uh, John, John actually uh, quotes from either Exodus chapter 12 and verse 46, if people care to write that down, he, he quotes from Exodus 12 and verse 46, uh, or Numbers 9 and verse 12, both of which specifies that, and this is prophesied, that no bone of the Passover lamb may be broken. And so they refer this to Jesus as the New Testament lamb of God. And so in the New Testament, it refers to Jesus as the Passover lamb that takes away the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist says. And you can find these passages in John chapter 1, verse 29, and you can compare it to 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, uh, 1 Peter 1 and 9, and this is, uh, so Jesus is a typology of the lamb in the Old Testament, the bone was broken, and then Jesus fulfills that in the prophecy regarding him, behold the lamb of God, that's what John said, who taketh away the sins of the world. So um, I've heard some preachers say, well, the word here broken um, is referring to his heart was broken. Uh, no, that's not what the text is saying, you know. So, um, you know, this particular word broken shouldn't have never been really in the verse of Scripture here at all. So, but sometimes uh, when you have an older manuscript, uh, on, uh, older manuscript, well, actually a newer manuscript, which the King James is, the older manuscripts uh, delete certain things. And so uh, sometimes the translators will put things there and yet it's not actually the word. Like for instance, in the original Greek, the word Holy Ghost is not in the original Greek, but it was added in the uh, King James Version of 1611, because the people during that time, uh, they the 52 scholars that translated the uh, King James Version, <clears throat> they looked at spirits as ghosts. So they put the word ghost there, but in the original Greek, it's Holy Spirit, <clears throat> because God is not a ghost. I mean, 
people do say it in church and stuff like that. You know, I tell people, don't make a big deal out of it because the people were just referring to the spirit as ghosts because that's the way they understood it in the cultural day of their day. So anyway, hopefully that sheds some light on uh, the what your question is, Rick, and maybe you might have some uh, feedback around what I said. We wasn't able to catch all of it, but uh, it, it, it seems like uh, it, 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 it's still hard for me to understand all of it. And oh, yeah. I, I like to go. I, I I did get cut off while you were while you were answering my question. Hmm. You said you got cut off. Yeah, and I'm back on. Okay. What, so what did you What did you What did you miss? I, I miss a lot of the uh, new t- the Old Testament uh, statements that you uh, mentioned. Okay, so what we'll do is, uh, get, I think we're getting close to a commercial break. What we'll do is go to a commercial break. I'll turn it over to Gary in a minute. And then when we come back from the commercial break, I'll uh, mention some of those Old Testament passages that I mentioned. Okay, thanks. Okay, well, let's go ahead and take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. Pick up that phone, give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We want to just encourage you to continue to pray for this ministry. Uh, we need the prayers tonight, especially. We, we, we want to encourage you uh, tonight, especially that we need your help. We need your support, not only through prayers, but financially, because we are looking at a $300 deficit right now that we need to satisfy. And maybe somebody within uh, earshot of my voice can actually rectify that for us tonight. Maybe you can go online right now to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button and donate that $300 so that we can stay in the black. We want to encourage you. If you've been blessed by the broadcast, it's time to hit a home run for us. We need your help tonight. Uh, and we need your help continuously through your prayers and through your financial support. Uh, once again, there's two ways to donate. You can send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California. That's T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California. 94920. But the easiest way is to simply go online to contendingfaith.org, click on the donate button, and be a blessing. All right, Dr. Buckner, we were talking with uh, Brother Rick. Brother Rick, are you still there? I'm here. All right. Very good. Very good. So, uh, did you hear my perspective of 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Not all of it. Okay. So what I was saying is that 
when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24, uh, it uses the word broken. And when you look at these other passages, uh, like, for instance, in John chapter 19, it says that not a bone in his body was broken. So the word broken there is uh, is, is, is a weak manuscript uh, evidence, and in the older manuscripts, it doesn't uh, emphasize that word so much broken because it's just it it's it's seems to contradict what the other uh writers are saying so um a lot of times like i said some things are added but it's not uh trying to destroy the text but some things are added and sometimes when you look at the older manuscripts you get um you know uh, a different word and a different perspective so this word broken shouldn't have never in first corinthians chapter uh, 11 shouldn't have ever been really put in the manuscript in this particular text here now i go back to what i was saying to you uh in in john chapter 19 uh and i was saying that in verse 30 32 in john chapter 19 and it, then it came. Then came the soldiers, and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. And then in verse thirty-six, a bone in him shall not be broken. Um, some people have even thought, "Oh, his legs were broken." No. The fact that he had died, there wasn't any reason for them to break his legs because the purpose of somebody, the, the Roman soldiers breaking the legs of somebody crucified was because they would push up on the cross to breathe because they had a very difficult time uh, breathing uh, because the crucifixion was so devastating that they would push up to get breath of air. And so the Sabbath was coming. They didn't want to see anybody up on there on the Sabbath. So what they did was they broke the criminal's legs. And then when they got to Jesus, they didn't break his, they didn't break a bone in his body because it had been prophesied. Even in verse 36, uh, it says, uh, for these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled a bone in him shall not be broken. Now, uh, John, uh, this is what you missed. John it quotes from either Exodus 12 and verse 46 uh, or Numbers 9 and 12, both of which uh, specifies that no bone, in, uh, no bone of the Passover lamb may be broken. And then you find that Jesus is a typology and fulfillment of this in the New Testament. And it refers to Jesus as the Passover lamb that takes away the sins of the world. That's what John said in John 1 and 29. And then you find also in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 and 1 Peter 1 and 9 uh, that Jesus is a typology of all of this. So anyway, that's what I was basically saying. And uh, to just shed a little more light on that particular point. 
So hopefully that helps out. That makes more sense. Yes, sir. Uh, do you have any prayer requests before uh, we let you go? So, I mean, we, we basically know that the bones were not broken. Basically because he, he was he was already dead. Absolutely. Before they went around breaking the bones. Right. And and when they got the spear and pierced it through his side, it penetrated his heart. Uh, and that's the thing uh, that caused uh, the blood and the water uh, because it went past his organs. And that was the thing that caused the water and the blood to flow. But again... Um, they wanted to uh, speed up the death of the two criminals and Jesus. So the way that they would do that was break the legs so that they could not push off of the nails that was there. Because even though the spikes, uh, we call them spikes, even though the spikes were put in down below in the by the by the foot by the by the below the foot and it was crossed over and then it was put in the wrist not in the palm of the hand because in the palm of the hand the spikes would have slid right through that so excuse me so it's um quite interesting quite interesting stuff here that uh, we should be aware of uh but the pushing was the thing that kept them alive longer and they uh dissipated that by breaking the legs and then they just died a lot faster that's the, that's the thing on that do you have any uh prayer requests brother rick and before we uh, close on this and we got one more caller brother rick yes you have any prayer requests before we let you go keep me praying around my health right now mm-hmm Okay, well, let's have Brother Gary to pray around that. Brother Gary. All right. <clears throat> so, Lord, we just pray once again for Brother Rick. We, we lift him up always uh, around his health, that you would strengthen him in his body, Lord God, that you would help him, Lord God, and strengthen him in, in his core. We pray from the crown of his head, Lord God, throughout his entire being, Lord God. You created his body. You're intimately involved with every cell of his being, and you know how to fix it. And so, Lord God, touch him at his point of need. You're still in the business of miracles. You're still in the business of healing. You're still in the business of restoring. And so we pray, Lord God, for his restoration. We pray for his health and strengthening. And, Lord God, we just thank you for Brother Rick. Continue to encourage him and bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rick, for that uh, call and the good question as well. All right. God bless you. All right. We're going to go to our next caller, which is Gilda. Gilda, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. My question is about King Solomon. Okay. After his father David died and Solomon became king. It seemed like he was with God and he had faith. And then he started to accumulate the gold and the horses, chariots and all the pagan wives. And his head turned away from God. 
and his heart turned away. My question is, did he have faith in the first place, or was it all through a ritual and a ceremony he was just going through? It seemed like he had it, or maybe he didn't. I don't know. Well, that's a very good question, uh, Gilda. Appreciate your call, and that's a very good question. Well, Solomon uh, was an anointed king, and generally when they say anointed king, that means that the Spirit of God was anointed. Look like we have echoing here. Hope we can get rid of that. But the anointing means that God's spirit was upon him. In order for God's spirit to be upon him, that means that he was saved. But what happened uh, over a period of time is that his downfall was that he started to get involved with all these different women. And these women were uh, involved with uh, foreign religions and foreign pagan religions. And because of that, he started uh, getting involved with the pagan religions and the pagan women, and he just got away from God, like so many people do. Many many times people do. And even, you know, you find in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a young man is involved with a, a sexual immorality in the church, and he's, you know, bold about it, you know, explicit about it. And all of a sudden, they write Paul, and they informed him about it. And he writes him back and says, Deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his body, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. But the young man, he ended up repenting uh, in Second Corinthians. But, you know, you so, and, and then you have a situation where David also, you know, uh, these are men. The thing that's so unique about the Bible it, it gets into our strengths and our weaknesses, and that's the thing I love about it. You know, it doesn't just portray everybody being perfect and without sin. It, it so, so when you look at, this is the thing that is important, when you look at the latter part of his life, uh, you know, he had the anointing on him at the beginning. Uh, in the middle, he started, he got away. But as an older man, uh, I think he got wised up, and you can see this uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Uh, and, and you look at uh, verse 13 of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and it says, uh, let us hear the conclusion of this whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So did Solomon, the question is, did Solomon uh, finally repent before he died? This seems to be a glimpse of it right here, that he just got older and wiser. And even says in first in, in uh, here in, in uh, Ecclesiastes 12, and verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So why would he say something like that to say that the spirit shall return to God who gave it? And then talk about fearing God and keeping his commandments. This is something when he was involved with all that pagan stuff and the pagan women, 
that was the last thing he would have said. But as he got older, he got wiser. And I think that's what everybody should do as they, I mean, you want to get wiser as you go, but as you get older, people should, everybody should become wiser in their age and just repent of these sins that can not only cause you to lose rewards when you get to heaven, but also can lead you away from God. And the thing that is a sign of a a person who's not repentant is a person who continues to live in sin, you know, and that's why first Corinthians six and nine says, list a whole bunch of things of sins and says, those who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, with Solomon, as he got older, I believe that he got wiser in the Lord and he feared God. He taught, he, he was teaching young men. So in the context of first Corinthians, well, not first Corinthians, with, uh, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14. Here in this context, he's teaching young men. So he's he's learned his own lessons, and what he's trying to do is improve other young men so that they don't go the route that he went uh, in his younger in his younger years. That's a lot of people don't understand that in the context of Ecclesiastes 12, that he is teaching young men to not go the way that he went. Fear God and keep his commandments. He wouldn't be saying that unless he learned to do that himself. So hopefully that kind of shed some light on your question. Yes, it does. I appreciate your answer. Thank you so much. You got it. Is this your first time calling in? Yes, it is. It's my first time. Well, <laughs> Thank you for Praise the Lord. Call. It's good to have your call and keep listening to us and let some more people know about contending for the faith and so that we can be a blessing to them as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you too. Brother Thank Gary. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All Gary. right. Yes. All right. Well, it's always good to get some fresh callers, huh? Absolutely. It sure is. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate that. And as well as our older callers and regular callers, it's always great to have, um, new callers with fresh questions and perspectives and uh, and these questions like Gilda's and even Rick, you know, they, they stimulate the listening audience. I believe they provide um, a good uh, situation where people can learn. And that's, you know, what we're here for is that ideally uh, folks are listening, they're learning, they're taking notes and that they are getting ammunition and they're getting equipped. You know, we always say, if you're not equipped, expect to get whipped. And in this day and age, as we've been discussing with these cultural issues and the cultural warfare that is going on, saints of God need to be equipped. They need to be able to speak intelligently uh, regarding the faith that they have, as, as well as speak with compassion, as we talked about earlier, when we're dealing with transgender people or anybody for that matter, who we're witnessing to, we always have to come at them in love. And I think that, you know, we mentioned earlier, it's not about winning arguments. You can win an argument and lose a soul. Um, but I hear the music revving up, and I just got to say, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and we just want to remind you 
that for the next two Saturdays, we will be out of the studio. Uh, so we'll give you the best of contending for the faith. There won't be a live broadcast for the next two weeks, but you'll get the best of contending for the faith. You can still um, tune in, but you just won't be able to call in. So please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.